You're listening to Advice from Your Advocates, a show where we provide elder law advice to professionals who work with the elderly and their families. Welcome back to Advice from Your Advocates. I'm Bob Manor. I'm a certified elder law attorney in Michigan. I'm really excited about our podcast for today. So we have Amy Persales, the Planning Services Director at Manor Law Group. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. So, Amy, what is a planning services director? (laughs) Good question. Uh, I'm majorly responsible for Medicaid, um, making sure that we get everyone qualified for Medicaid, um, and overseeing our elder care coordinators, our social workers in the office um, that are helping with life care planning. So... Basically, we do both the legal and the financial and the care advocacy, and you're kind of in charge of all of that, Correct. right? Yep. Okay. And so we have some social workers and care navigators, and you are sort of their boss. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. So today, our topic is a very important one because there's a lot of confusion around this. And so we're going to focus on Medicaid. So for those that uh, have listened often, you know the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. But if this is the first time you're listening, let's describe what's the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. So Medicare would be a benefit that you get once you're 65. There are other ways to get it. But Mm -hmm. once you're 65 and you collect Social Security, uh, you get the Medicare benefit. So it's deducted from your Social Security benefit. Um, It's a health insurance program that you sign up for. You can change yearly in October um, and, you know, just use as your health insurance. You can get supplemental plans and things like that. And then, um, you know, that's that's basically the gist of Medicare. Right. And then Medicaid is a government program, just like Medicare, but it um, is more for people who need help paying for care. Um, They need care in the nursing home. Um, Depending on your income, you could get in-home assistance. Um, Sometimes even independent living mm -hmm, or assisted living. All of those programs, Mm -hmm. depending on if they qualify or they... um, the uh, independent or assisted livings um, work with that program. We'll probably do a new podcast about that program and the income limits at another time. We heard some encouraging news recently that we they might change those income limits, which would be a real benefit for the seniors in Michigan. But um, the difference between medic, I'll give the example of my parents. Uh, my father had open heart surgery. It cost hundreds of thousands of dollars he paid almost nothing out of pocket, right? Because Medicare paid for the vast majority of it. A government benefit, I want to make that clear, because sometimes people say, oh, I don't want the government paying my bills. Well, guess what? The government does pay your bills if you have open heart surgery. Now, Blue Cross paid a portion of it, but only probably 20%, and Medicare paid about 80% of hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars. My mother, on the other hand, had Alzheimer's, and she needed care too. But Medicare paid nothing for that. Blue Cross paid nothing for that. So Medicaid is also an insurance program, also an insurance program that you've paid into all your life. And unfortunately, you have to jump through more hoops to qualify for Medicaid. Right. And your job, one of your jobs, among others, is to help people jump through those hoops. Exactly. So that we make sure that you don't have to go broke or lose all your money or impoverish your spouse or your family because you have Alzheimer's or dementia instead of heart disease. Yes, unfortunately. So we're going to focus on one particular rule, 
And this is one of the confusing rules of what we call gifting. So sometimes the word gifting or that I call it the G word because I don't want people to do gifting. Uh, so let's talk about gifting. And I'll give you my standard story. This was many years ago. I went to get my haircut at the barber shop. I um, my barber at the time was, I think, 90 years old and uh, great guy. Loved him. I haven't seen him in a few years, but uh, he retired, obviously. But uh, somebody came in. And they were saying, because this is what men do sometimes, we go to barber shops and talk to the talk to each other. And so, especially old men. <laughs> and so we, uh, this uh, guy comes in and he's talking to my, my barber while I'm sitting in his chair. And he says, well, uh, I don't know what to do about mom. She can't live alone anymore. I don't know what to do. We don't know how to pay for this. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do. And the barber said, well, I'll tell you exactly what to do. This is the barber, not me. Yes. <laughs> the barber says, just take all the money she has left over, take it out of her account, put it in your account or put it in a gun safe or something like that. And then you apply for Medicaid and everything will be fine. Uh, Amy, what do you think of that answer? No, <laughs> no, please don't do that. Um, it causes so many problems later. Um, it, it's fraud, first of all. Right. You go to jail for that. Um, it's... Uh, it's just not the way to go. There's there's much better planning and ways that we can help with those types of things. Because uh, basically what we're getting at is that there is a couple things that we have to make sure that un people understand. There is a look back. So what is the look back? What does that mean? So in the last five years, if you've given away any of your assets. Or tried um, to hide them. Or tried to hide them. Um, then you're subject to a penalty for um, Medicaid purposes. So if you're trying to get that Medicaid benefit because you're paying for a $15,000 a month nursing home, um, you are subjected to that $15,000 penalty. And if you gave away, you know, a substantial amount of money, all of that could go towards um, someone's going to foot that bill. Yeah. Well, and in fact, it could be worse. It could be that the penalty is worse than if you had just kept the money and paid exactly. for it on your own, that the exactly. penalty is actually bigger than the, the money that you tried to save. Yes. Yes. Because some facilities cost 15000 and the penalty is only based on a smaller amount of that. Why do we, why don't we just not tell them about it? <laughs> because again, that's fraud yes. and you could go to jail. And they have this thing called asset verification. Yes. So guess what? The government, for better or worse, sees everything. And they can and they do. See, do Whenever anybody applies for Medicaid, they're going to do what's called asset verification. And in my mind, I'm sure this is not how it really works. But in my mind, there's some supercomputer somewhere. And they put your name and Social Security in there. And they see every financial transaction you've done in the last few years. And they will see that you took money out. Yes. Yes. And I mean, all of those things will come back and um, you have to answer to them. And even if you've applied before or you applied this time and it went through and it was fine, the next time it may not. So and um, there's other branches of the government that could find it later. So right. that happens, too. 
And uh, we we often see this. We're dealing with this um, with this asset verification all the time, right? Yes. Because they'll find things that don't even exist. Not only do they find the things that that did happen, they'll find things that well, okay, well, you had this account um, uh, two years ago. Where'd that money go? Yes. And usually, when it's our clients, the answer is, well, we were paying for care, we were paying for our life, and we spent that money, and we can prove it, right? Yes. And so that's okay, but that's how um, thorough that asset verification is. Okay, well, what about, why can't we just make up a story and say that we lost the money at a casino or something like that? Again, that's fraud. Right. And that's not something you should do. But, you know, if if the government, when you turn in bank statements and they go back through um, that supercomputer right. uh, and check things out, they can see if a casino is something that you normally do, you know, um, they can see your transaction histories. They, they look at all of those types of things. And if you are saying you went to the casino one time and blew all your money, they're, they're likely, you know, to be very skeptical about that. Well, not only skeptical, I think the presumption is that you have to prove it. So I have two responses to that. One is to, to talk about how you have to prove what you say is accurate and then I have a little story to tell about supercomputers. So it's unrelated, but it's a funny story. So, or interesting story to me. So the first thing is that I always say this, that in Medicaid, that you're guilty until you can prove yourself innocent. You don't, when you say, well, how do they know I didn't just go to the casino? The answer is they don't have to know. They just have to raise the red flag. They just have to say what happened to this money. And then it's the applicant's job to prove what would happen to that money. That's why we either have to document things properly or handle things correctly with regard to checks and things like that. We don't like people dealing with cash transactions because the, unless you kept a receipt, you might not be able to prove that. So the idea is even when you're doing things right, they might question you and you can't prove that you, what you did with the money. So their presumption is it's a gift unless you can prove otherwise. So you're guilty until you can prove yourself innocent. It's not like criminal law. You're applying for a benefit. They, If they challenge it, you have to prove it wrong. So it, it made me laugh when you talked about the supercomputer. My dad uh, worked at GM, and he was one of the first people to work on computers back in, like, the 50s. And so the first computer he worked on, it was some kind of supercomputer at the time, which I'm sure probably has the capacity of our cell phones or less, sure. probably significantly less. Um, and it took up like a city block. Uh, yes. That's what the computer took up. And it was this considered the supercomputer. There were like five of them in the world. He got to work on it in the 50s. But uh, I'm sure that it doesn't even have the capacity of, you know, of any technology we have today. So I just thought that was fascinating. But. Okay, so let's get back to the topic. <laughs> um, all right, so dealing with gifting. Um, is there ever a situation where we might use gifting as a strategy that it would be legal? For us as attorneys, yes. yes. So, And you don't mean us gifting, you mean no. us giving advice. Yes, correct, yes. yes. Um, clients come into us all the time, we give them... We do give them advice on gifting, but it's strategic gifting, um, which means that you have to do it at a certain time. Um, I uh, had a client yesterday questioning me, well, why can't I just give away? You know, mm -hmm. you're telling me I could give away this amount of money. 
well, no, I don't know the amount until it's that time. Yeah, that's a good so point. So I, I really don't have those numbers until it's time to actually apply and send in the qualifications for the Medicaid. And we have to do it strategically. It has to be done a certain way. You have to do an exact amount. So you have to, uh, you know, I have to go through all the numbers and it takes quite a while mm-hmm. to get through all those numbers and determine what the best um, option is for you. Right. So that's a very good point. The timing of it, almost always, it's not in advance. Most people would assume, oh, you want to give the money away in advance before you need that care. Problem with that is then you don't know how much money to give away. And if you give away too much or too little, it's going to cause problems because there's consequences. There's penalties for gifting. So when we talk about strategic gifting, we're saying, okay, it's going to be more financially um, uh, favorable to incur that penalty, but we have to make sure we don't incur too much or too little of a penalty. And the only way to do that is to do it when we're ready to file the Medicaid application. Okay. So we're not doing it in advance. It seems very counterintuitive. Almost everybody would assume that you can't gift after you move into the nursing home. The reality is that's exactly the time that we knew that. And it doesn't mean nursing home. It could be home care or assisted living or any of those types of things. But the idea is the timing is critical And then the other part, which is extremely difficult to figure out, and we've got a system to do that, is exactly how much. And it has to be very precise. We talk about threading a needle. This is like, uh, I don't know how we could make that worse, Uh, mixing metaphors, threading a needle in a haystack. You first have to find the needle, and then you have to thread the needle. Uh, It is extremely uh, complicated and nothing that I would ever advise people to do on their own. I can't imagine how somebody could do it on their own without years of experience and expertise in this. Yes. Takes me hours. Yes, exactly. And you've been doing it for how many years? Nine. Nine years. All right. What about my accountant or my financial advisor told me that I can give away a certain amount every year, whether it's 10,000 or 16,000 or whatever, that I'm allowed to give away that money every year. So that's right. I don't have to tell you about that, right? No, (laughs) no, that's not right. So for, you know, for accounting purposes, for For your taxes, for the IRS. Income tax. um, Right. For income tax. Yes. Uh, And gift tax. Sure. You could you could do that. And you only really that only really benefits you if you have more than 12 million dollars. Right. So if you have more than $12 million, it doesn't benefit you anyway. Right. Um, it's not going to, there's if no. you have less than $12 million. Right. There's no gift tax in the state of Michigan unless you have more than $12 million. So here's how this works. Basically, they have something called, and this gets a bit complicated, so stay with me. You have, uh, they have something called a unified credit. And the unified credit is that you can give away currently up to $12 million either during your lifetime or after your death. And so they have to keep track of that. And so if you give away some money that you have to report it to the IRS so they can subtract it from the 12 million that you're allowed to give away either during your lifetime or after your death. What, but then they say, oh, but there's a certain amount you can give away every year that you don't have to report to the IRS. And I think that might be 16 or 17,000 this year. It was 10,000 for so many years. So that's why people come up with that 10,000. But the reality is that has nothing to do with Medicaid. 
technically, if you give away $1,000, that could be a penalty for Medicaid. Yes. Okay. Now, there's some exceptions to that rule, and you can talk to us about the exceptions. But the the, the general rule is if you give away $1,000, you'll get a $1,000 penalty or yes. possibly more than that associated with or a time penalty associated with giving that money away if you've given away within five years of needing Medicaid, meaning nursing home, home care, assisted living, those types of things. And so... I get it. I understand why we still have bankers and, and financial advisors and accountants and your neighbor and the barber all saying, oh, you can give away a certain amount every year because the IRS says you can. Yep. But we're not dealing with the IRS. We're dealing with the Department of Health and Human Services, which doesn't care what the IRS rules are. They've got their own rules. So giving away any money does, is not exempt for Medicaid. It might be exempt for IRS or gift taxes. Okay. So as sort of a Overall question, do you think it's a good idea to give away money to hide it or to try to give it away so that you don't have to worry about spend down for Medicaid? No, never, unless you're working with a certified elder law attorney, someone that's experienced in Medicaid planning, um, and you, you want to make sure that you find a good attorney that can help you and guide you through all of that. So very good. And the key on this is um, if you I think you should always ask. So ask us if, if if you have a need to give away some money. And sometimes I'll say, OK, well, if we can prove that it's not to hide money or it's not to avoid the Medicaid rules, things like that. Sometimes there's a way to do that. So, for example, if you give a certain amount to your church every year and we can show that you consistently did that, we can show that you did not do that for Medicaid purposes. And so, again, it goes back to that rule that they assume you're guilty until you can prove yourself innocent. So how would we prove ourselves innocent in that? We can show we've been doing it for years. If you've given a certain amount to your kids or grandkids for Christmas every year and we show that you've done it year after year. Now, if the year before you go into the nursing home or two years before you go in the nursing home, you give you used to give away 50 and now you give away a thousand to each of them. No, they're going to say that's not a pattern of gifting. Um, occasionally, there's circumstances that we can say, OK, well, that's OK. You know, if you've got two million dollars and you want to give away twenty thousand dollars, that's different than if you've got $100,000 and you want to give away $1,000. It, it really is different. They're going to treat it differently. And so uh, the less you have, the less likely it is that you can give it away without penalty. So, uh, well, thank you, Amy, for explaining all of this. This has been very helpful and interesting. And uh, thanks for listening to Advice from Your Advocates. Don't forget to subscribe. You can subscribe at our website, mannerlawgroup.com, uh, or on any place that you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe and you'll get notices of our, our future podcasts. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit mannerlawgroup.com.